Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. Tonight, we're going to talk about something that has faced pretty much everyone that likes to play role-playing games, and that's how do you get a group started? Because, well, if you want to play these games, most of them, there are a few exceptions, require more than one person. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can go about this, a lot of different factors you need to consider as well. So where do you think we ought to start, Steve? I think we start in the most obvious place. I think we start with where do we find people to play these games. You know, there's a lot of options when it comes to that. There's friends, if you have friends that play them. There's friendly local game stores, meaning places that are welcoming, friendly. There's also Facebook, Discord, Reddit. There's a, a 1D4chan, which is not 4chan. It's 1D as in 1D, 1D4chan. I think that's a pretty cool place to find people and resources for playing games. Yeah, I mean, I started gaming in college, and then it was not fully pre-internet, but like you still had a lot of like the old Unix-based chat servers and that kind of stuff. And so, but in college, it was well, you know, you knew this person that plays, and they know this person, and so it was just a circle of friends, and you played this with these people and that with those people, and and that was all how it worked. But as an adult, and or if you found these games through, be it, you know, watching streams online or whatever, you're like, well, I want to play with people. Yeah, you may not, I mean, you can ask your friends, doesn't hurt, but they may not be into it. So, yeah, trying to find other other people who, who do want to play these games, like you said, there's, you ask your friends, you know, as far as the, the your friendly gaming stores, you know, most stores that sell games usually have some sort of table space because a lot of them do board games and card games and so on and so forth. And very often there are gaming groups who play there, or at the very least, the people who run the store know them and will do, in some cases, maybe even a formal message board in the store. Right. I know our local gaming stores, we have two in the area that are that are pretty good. One's more card game focused, but they do have they do have a, a group that meets every week. And then the other one, they have multiple like they have a full on RPG day. A full day that's devoted to just people that want to play whether it be Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or Delta Green vampire whatever you want to play i'm sure if you poke around enough there's people that want to play that or that's where the internet's a great thing nowadays if you can't find a local gaming store that has a group playing the game you want to play get on facebook get on discord uh, again get on any of those you know any forums you feel comfortable being on and just start asking hey does anybody want to play this i'm looking to play in this is anybody running one of these you know that's a lot of, especially with the world being what it is, you know, obviously we're recording in 2020 and COVID has everything in up and up and it's a little bit tough to get, you know, in-person groups now. Yeah. And, and not everybody's comfortable playing in person right. in the world in the state it's in now. Yeah. And I, I don't blame anybody who doesn't feel comfortable playing in person now. But what I'm saying is, is that if you're looking for an in-person group, Maybe you need to, I don't mean to sound condescending, but maybe you need to like reprioritize and try online because I've found there's a lot of really good online resources, even for people that like playing at a real table. I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, but I recently downloaded Tabletop Simulator and I think for playing D&D, it's probably one of, or for playing RPGs, it's probably one of the best resources out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've not messed with that one. I uh, was kind of looking at astral the other day astral's been around for a little bit they haven't really taken off i know roll 20 was popular but there was some controversy with the people running roll 20 fantasy grounds the other one I've, I've heard some good things about it although i don't know much about it is one called the the foundry virtual tabletop haven't touched the foundry and again i know that wizards of the coast through D D beyond have launched their own online tabletop 
And I know they were playing with it way back in the day, and now they've finally actually launched an official version that seems to be pretty nice. I haven't delved too deeply into it, but everything I see seems like it's a pretty nice tool for playing online. Yeah, and of course, you know, the other option, if you're willing to play Theater of the Mind, I mean, Discord, Hangouts, any sort of, you know, Zoom, Skype, anything that'll let you talk to somebody else remotely, you can play a game over. You know, like I said, that does require playing Theater of the Mind, you know, no miniatures, no grid, whatever, but for a lot of people, or at least in my opinion, I'm perfectly happy to play Theater of the Mind. I know that's not necessarily everyone's opinion at this stage. But, you know, like I know the the group that we play in now together, that originally started through one of our local gaming stores, not so much actually in the shop, but I, I went in and I was talking to the guy behind the counter and asked about gaming groups. And he said, well, there's there's a group that plays here, but they're kind of full. He said, but if you want, join our Facebook group and, and post something there. So, you know, Facebook groups, even if it's attached to your local gaming store, is a great place to look for people. You know, just post up, hey, anybody want to play? Whatever. You know, again, like Discord channels, you know, Reddit. I, I don't personally use Reddit much, but I would assume it works that way. Um, I like Reddit. Reddit's a pretty nice place for people to talk. Obviously, you're going to get the internet syndrome of, wow, these people are really mean and nasty, but just sort of ignore it and keep looking. You know, there's people out there who aren't ignorant and will be nice to you and play games. Yeah. Like, that's just the thing. Don't get discouraged just because you tried one thing and it didn't work. Keep looking. Like I said, how I ended up in the gaming group that you're in, that me and you are in together, was I I went to Facebook. I typed in my local area, so the nearest, like, larger city, and Dungeons & Dragons, and it popped right up for me. Now, at that time, Mm -hmm. you guys had an open group, but it just was sort of one of those... If you go to Facebook and you search X city game, you might be able to find something. Yeah. And even like, I know there's, you know, looking for group sections, looking for player sections on even like the EN world forums. So the forums are still out there and that can be a good place. If you're looking to play specifically online, I know like for Delta green, there's a, uh, well, it's a, it's a multi channel type thing it's called night at the opera they have a discord they have a reddit you know and they they organize a lot of online play through that and i'm sure there's similar things for other games oh absolutely i'm sure there's other games and yeah it's just a matter of poking around finding a group it's it's not and then it's a matter of asking the right questions yes or or knowing you know if you put up a post on your your local game store's Facebook group, say, hey, anybody want to play some some role-play games? What are they going to ask you? Right. They're more than likely going to ask, what are you playing? When? Where are we playing it? Who's going to run the game? You know, who's playing? That's a question I'll get sometimes. Who's who's playing in this? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's a little bit different, and some people don't get along. So if I see that there's a game run with a certain person that I don't like playing with, I'm going to be like, no, I'm good. I'm not going to play in that one because I don't care for that person. Yeah. You know, and the and the what are you playing, I would say, you know, be upfront about what you want to play. If you want to play Dungeons & Dragons, say so. If you'd really rather play something besides Dungeons & Dragons, say that as well. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say what you want to play. Yeah. In that, though, if, if someone says... Well, hey, I have this game that that's kind of like that, but it's a little different. Be a little open too, as if it's something you're not familiar with, and you know, like, look, if it's a system you know you don't like, probably you're not going to have a good time. But don't just go, well, I've never heard of it, so I don't want to play it. Right. Be open. Try try new things. Try playing games you've never heard of. Try. That's our biggest thing. Is that. We're both, we play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not going to say it's a bad game. But we want you to get out there and try the different games. Because when I got into this hobby, I didn't really know that there was much different than Dungeons and Dragons. I knew there was Dungeons and Dragons. I knew there was Pathfinder. And that was about it. And then as I developed in the hobby, I realized that there's all these other games. There's all these things that you could be playing. Don't be afraid. If you've never heard of a game before, 
Google. Google it. Take a look. See what it's all about. See if it's something that's remotely up your alley. Maybe give it a try. If you've never never played RPGs before, every single RPG is a jump on point. There's, there's not one out there that is made specifically for players who are advanced. Well, if there is... I can think of one or two, but the likelihood of you finding someone in, in those circles that specifically wants to play that game and nothing else is probably fairly limited. And even then, if you don't have a frame of reference, you're not going to realize that, boy, this game is pretty complex because the person who wants to play it probably already knows it fairly well and will happily explain it to you. Right. And just play games. That's been our, that's our number one. It's what we tell you at the end of each episode. Try it. Now, if it's a game you've never heard of, maybe you don't want to DM that. That's up to your skill abilities and your ability to comprehend and read books and such. But if it's, hey, we got a DM and he's playing this game and I've never heard of it before, but I'm going to give it a try, go for it. Yeah. And then, again, where? Where is where is one of those things? If it's too far out of your range, well, maybe that's not the group for you. Or if you don't feel comfortable playing in a physical location at this point in time, that's perfectly fine. That's yeah. an option you have. Keep looking. Yeah, the internet now with virtual games is has kind of soften the, the the wear but in in the pre-covid days a lot like we said you know a, a lot of game stores will let you play at their tables i know a lot of people play at like cafes and so forth you know they get a table back in the corner or whatever and you know they they buy enough stuff that the people don't mind or you know in some cases there are specifically gaming cafes i know you know we both live in the pittsburgh area and there is a pizza place down in Pittsburgh that is a gaming and pizza place. I know of two Pittsburgh bars that are specifically set up for gaming. Okay. Both board gaming and role play games. Like they have gorgeous tables in the back mm -hmm. set up for role play games, which is fantastic. The other thing with meeting up at a game store or, you know, a cafe or whatever is you know, if these are all people you've met through the internet and you don't know them, they don't know you. It's security. It can be scary. And if that's something that bothers you, you meet at these neutral locations, then it's a public place. There's, okay, yeah, we meet and, and that guy named Bob really creeps me out. Well, okay, so you know that you don't want to invite Bob to your house and you probably don't want to go to Bob's house. Right, exactly. So, okay, so you got to, drop out and find another group that's okay i had that happen to me and now i'm not i'm a very personable personable person i will talk to a lot of people but through a friend they were like oh come on we're gonna go over to my buddy's house and we're gonna play a game and i was like okay that's fine never met this person before but i trust you well i wasn't comfortable with the situation because the person that was running the game i wasn't comfortable with so would it have benefited us to maybe meet somewhere and talk before we went? Yeah, definitely. But it is one of those things where it's best sometimes to meet in neutral locations. Now, if you know somebody from the group, say it's say it's an RPG group uh, like ours, where right. I knew I knew one of our players before I even joined the group. Okay, I'm cool with going over to his house because I know him, but. If you don't know anybody in that group, maybe you need to have a talk about, let's play somewhere neutral. Let's play somewhere, if there's a local gaming store, or if there's, if you're in college, play in one of the common areas. That's what I did. I did a lot of that in college. I did the exact same thing. Yeah, the cafeteria is almost always open when you're in college. Cafeterias? We used to play in the study lounge down the hall in my dorm. We would get uh, library rooms because they're soundproof. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we actually played in the dorm lobby a couple times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's you don't have to have a lot of space to play these games. You do sometimes, but you don't. It's not a requirement. If it's a group you've never met before, try playing somewhere more neutral. If you don't feel comfortable with going over to somebody's house, that's completely understandable. And again, also with along the same lines. Playing online. If you don't feel comfortable with putting your personal account out there, it's not hard to make another email account and make another Discord. 
Yeah. Well, th- that's the yeah, Discord servers in particular. I mean, you set them up free. Yeah, that that's really simple. Or, you know, roll 20, you make up a, an extra email. Don't use your main email. Use a, an email that that's all you use it for. Right. And that's another way of being safe while meeting strangers playing these games. Yeah. We're not trying to scare you off. It's just a matter of fact that some people can get uncomfortable. Some people can be uncomfortable to be around. Sometimes you don't want to play with those people. That's fine. It's okay. Oh, yeah. And I mean, look, like, I mean, me, I kind of have a sort of a dirty, grungy biker look to me at times, you know, depending on when the last time I remembered to shave was and, you know, when the last time I trimmed my beard and all that. So, I mean, this hobby is full of people of, of literally all sorts. I mean, I know I saw yesterday in the parking lot at work, there was a, a contractor's vehicle parked there. It had a electrical union sticker on one window and a big D20 sticker in the back window. Right. And that's one of the things that I will say, and I've said this before, but we're in sort of a golden age for RPGs. Much like the 90s was like the silver age of RPGs, we finally hit that like golden age of RPGs. Oh, yeah. I think the internet has done wondrous things for the gaming community. You know, it's kind of rebounded, I think, from the initial loss it hit with multiplayer online games like World of Warcraft and all the other I don't even know all of them. You know, Guild Wars was a thing for a while, and there was tons of them. Oh, exactly. But that moves on to when. Yes. And when are you free? And don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm not free this day, I'm free this day, or I don't know what my schedule is. Yeah. Not knowing what your schedule is is not a, it's not a detriment. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I have a rotating schedule, I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow, but I know that right now I'm free this day. Yeah. And I will say, I think, you know, my opinion anyway, that if you do have a, a rotating schedule or an unusual schedule, let's say you work a, a second shift job where you work evenings or you work a lot of weekends, online might be a better place for you to look simply because with online you have literal around the world. And so even though it's a weird time for, for you wherever it is that you live, there's the whole rest of the globe that maybe it's a normal time for them or it's someone else who, like we're in you know Pennsylvania, maybe it's somebody that lives in Florida that also works second shift. Well, they can't find a group in person because they work second shift, so they find a group online that's a person from Pennsylvania, a person from Texas, a person from, you know, I don't know, Australia, whatever. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And don't be afraid, again, don't be afraid to just say, this is my schedule, this is what I'm available, or I don't know. Yeah. And that's okay. You will find a group. There are plenty of people playing everything that you will find a group. And if they're not playing the game you want and you've played that game before, that's when you need to step up and go, well, I'll be the one that runs this game. Yes, that will be probably the biggest question you get when you say, hey, I want to start a group is, well, who's going to run? That's one of the things that I will tell people before I even start a group is I'll go, I want to play a game, but I don't want to run it. (laughs) Yeah, well, see, that's actually was one of the kind of concepts that that I tried to put forward when I initially posted what became the group that we're playing in was like, look, I can run a couple of the other people. They can run. So I said, well, why don't we do something where one of us runs for a while? Then another one of us takes over, change games, whatever. We don't need to run a a, a co-DM campaign. Those, they can work wonderfully. They can also, in my opinion, they, it can very easily turn into a really weird situation. Whereas if you just, okay, we're going to do, you know, we'll, we'll do this pre-written adventure path, you know, call it Curse of Strahd. Okay, so Sam runs that, and then, okay, well, I want to run cyberpunk well that's cool so you know we play through curse of strad we finish that i run a campaign for a while depending on how long it lasts whatever and then another person takes over and runs something else and so everyone gets a chance to play and that's you know we were talking uh, before we started recording and you said you know for you it's not that you don't like running games it's just that you don't want to run all the time And not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I think that it's important as a DM for you to play the games that you're running once in a while. I think it teaches you how to be a better DM because it means that you're a player and you can steal idea, borrow ideas from other (laughs) DMs. 
and it also gives you a perspective of oh i ran this combat encounter way too hard for these players oh i run a little too soft it gets you perspective which is something that yeah you can dm forever and that's great but play play the game because if you like to dm that's great but try being a player for a little bit yeah absolutely try being a player you know i mean there are some some people out there um the guy that runs en world actually will will publicly say he actually prefers to gm as opposed to play and i think he means more in the context of campaigns than say you know uh convention one shots or, or things like that but yeah, and if that's what you really want to do, then more power to you. But I think you find it a, a more fulfilling experience if you do a little bit of both. Oh, absolutely, and that that moves on to moves on to the pitfalls. Mm-hmm. This is going to be your biggest like saying what your schedule is up front, and then getting people to stick to that because that's one of the mm-hmm. most difficult things is having people show up every time. Yes. And I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of missing sessions. I'm guilty of bailing last minute because something came up. But everybody's going to do that. Everybody's going to have their, oh man, I got to take care of this. I can't go. You know, that's how it is. If it gets to be excessive, maybe have a talk. Hey, is this the right time? Do we need to change our time? Is this the wrong time to play this? Yeah, I mean, and look, everyone should be at least reasonably reasonable and and respect that, you know, look, life happens, stuff, you know, I mean, it didn't affect anything game-wise for me, but this past Saturday, I hit a deer driving around running some errands in the morning. Well, that throws a kink in things. It's going to happen. But the thing, and I will say this in regards to scheduling, and it kind of ties into people showing up, the one thing that, that... I find more frustrating than anything else is if you have a person who just perpetually shows up late because they never remember that you're meeting. That (laughs) drives me insane. Yeah. Look, I'm guilty of this one, but I at least acknowledge I'll be like, I'm on my way. I'm just late. Yeah, well, but that's, you know, and I wasn't in any way talking about you. No, I know. I I understand where you're coming from. I just want to put that out there that... I'm not even, if you take away one thing from this podcast, don't take away that we're perfect. Like, (laughs) that's not true at all. Um, Oh, heavens no. But it can get frustrating when you have a player who doesn't prioritize playing the game or doesn't, prioritize is an odd word, but it is sort of prioritizing. It's it's making an effort to make sure that you're there and, and there on time and not missing important sessions and what you do as a backup for that. That's another thing is that you need to talk about, Hey, this week, so-and-so can't be here, but I can come. So can Bob and Billy. So we're like just down one player. What do you want to do? And sometimes that means run a one shot. Sometimes that means doing what I refer to as bubbling a character where you literally just drag their character along and go, well, you're coming on this adventure, whether you're here or not. And we'll just fill you in when you are here. Yeah. I prefer that method sometimes when I can't be there just because it's like, well, I know I'm missing stuff, but I'm not missing. I would much rather be current than have to make everybody hold back and and go again. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, there are multiple ways to deal with it. I will say, you know, with the, the amount of free or very, very cheap quick starts that are out on the market right now. That's the perfect thing for, you know, if you're not the person GMing, but you do run games and there's a game you're interested in, get your hands on one of these quick starts. Uh, A lot of them, like I said, you can download the PDFs in particular for free. I know that's like, you know, we refer to it all the time, Delta Green. Their quick start is called Need to Know. It's a free download from Drive-Thru RPG. It's actually also available as an audiobook on Audible. And so, you know, have that, read it a few times, and just keep it in your bag. You know, it comes with pre-gen characters. Keep it in your bag, you know, print off the, the characters or whatever. But have it in your bag. Someone's showing up, say, hey, you want to run this this quick start? You know, they're usually intended for roughly a four-hour session. So 
again, it's it's a perfect way to try out a new game at, at next to no cost. There's almost no setup time if you've got pre-gens. It's a great thing to do. Something that, you know, my opinion should be done a lot more in those specific circumstances. One-page RPGs. Well, yes, those two. Get yourself some one-page RPGs. Because... Yes. I can't list the number of times where we've sat down. I sat down with my friends and they're like, I don't want to play D&D. Okay, here, I have this. And it's a one-page RPG. And it's a lot of fun. Because it's different each time you play it. But it's only one page. And it only takes a little bit of real estate. Whether it be on your phone or in your bag. It's just a little bit of real estate. And it's right there, ready to go. Yeah, and there's a number of them. You know, We've mentioned a few of them on, on the show before. Um Jason Statham's Big Vacation, um, Honey Heist, uh, Lasers and Feelings. The whole James D'Amato book. Yeah, that should be out probably right about the time this drops, I think. I, it should be, roughly. But again, just look up, if you go and look up One Page RPG, or if you look up the 200-word RPG challenge, that's a contest that's run each year. You get a lot of really good One Page RPGs out of that. Uh, some that are actually really impressive for them being 200 words. Mm -hmm. I've seen a couple that are thoroughly impressive for how how small they are. And it's just... D&D has a book called Tales from the Awning Portal. It's a bunch of either one-shots or fillers, however you want to run them. Pick that up. You know, just... Just because somebody can't be there, unless there is a very... Unless it's a very small group doesn't mean you can't play that week. Yeah. And most of those those little one-page deals like you were talking about, you don't need more than two or three people. No. You know, you could easily play it with with probably three. Duet play stuff is a little little more scarce. Although I do know there's actually a a Beowulf setting for 5th edition D&D coming out that is expressly designed for two-person play. I have I have played in both very large campaigns meaning that my first campaign that i ran for multiple years was 10 plus people jammed into a room playing DD. sometimes it was 11 sometimes it was 10 sometimes it was eight but it was usually 10 people every week playing DD. that can get daunting it just slows everything down a little bit i've also played in literally four people where it's you, another person, another person, and the DM. Mm -hmm. And when somebody doesn't show up for one of those, that's when you're talking about, oh, what are we going to play? Because a four-man group in D&D is... How do I put this? A four-man group in D&D without the essential parts can be really difficult to play. Yeah. Now, I think Dungeons & Dragons is designed around the idea of a four-person party, four players. For me, and, and this is something to you know, think about, you know, when, when you're trying to set up a group is how many players do you want? Uh, for me, the sweet spot is between four and six players. You know, yeah, that's kind that. of my personal comfort level. If I'm running the game, you get more than six and it can start. It's too many people to try and pay attention to and, and keep involved when you get down below four, like you said, you get someone doesn't show up and now it's like, oh, crap. The part of the, you know, the adventure we were going to do, they were heavily involved in. So, man, I don't really want to do it without them, but I want to do something. So, um, I had a, a player of mine joke that I could teach a college level class on managing 10 players because it was, and I just want to tell you just to put it in perspective, it wasn't just 10 players. It was 10 brand new players who not one of them had played anything more than maybe 20 minutes of Dungeons & Dragons. Well, to a certain point, though, them all being on the same level maybe did make it a little easier. I think it did, because it meant that I didn't have one that was, like, doing crazy complex things or out of, like, out of left field things. It meant that they were all sort of on the same page. Yeah, and at the same point, if you have it, they do kind of need to be the right type of player slash person to do this, having someone else there who does know the rules to help out some of these people can be uh, a great thing. That's actually, you know, we reference them all the time, critical role, but that's what, that's really why Talison was involved in the group initially. You know, when they initially started to play, Talison and Marisha were there 
to kind of be ringers and, and help all these other people who never really played or hadn't played in years along. Oh, definitely. And you can see that. I mean, you can see that because Taliesin will still quote weird rules every now and again. Mm-hmm. His ability to do it off of the top of his head, because I know you don't watch much of it, but I've seen a couple times where he just goes, oh, that works this way. And then somebody will look it up and be like, yeah, that's what the book says. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, like, well, even, you know, when we were talking about player types, that, that rules lawyer person who's not obnoxious about it is a, is a wonderful asset to have at the table. Oh, I love those people because I can look at them and go, what does the book say on this without having to try and dig through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that uh, probably really brings us to, to discussing probably the biggest pitfall of setting a new, a new group up, and that's really people compatibility. You know, be it players with players, players with GM, GM with players, etc. We have sort of addressed this earlier when picking who you want to play with. But yeah, with a GM, it gets a little bit difficult because it can take a couple sessions for you to realize that you don't like how that GM plays the game. Exactly. With players, it's, it's, it can be pretty quick that you don't like a player that you're playing with, or you don't like the style character that they play with a GM. It it can take a little bit of time for you to realize that, oh man, this guy just puts me right to sleep. Like, yeah, I've played in sessions where that was my biggest problem is that the the GM that I'm playing with puts me literally to sleep. Yeah, and then then you run into those circumstances and and we've been involved with them where so to speak the the GM is boring you so you start making your own fun and that generally doesn't lead to good situations. Generally, unless the GM is on board with it. Like if the GM's not on board with it, then it then it doesn't make for a lot of fun at the table, but if the GM's like, "All right, fine." Because it's a very delicate situation and a very fine line between if you're opinionated, I'm opinionated, it's a very difficult thing to not tell somebody, man, I really don't like how you run this game, and then not offend them. But maybe it's just, you know, if you really don't like how the GM runs it, maybe you just start looking for a new group and just quietly be like, I'm sorry guys, I can't, you know, I gotta go. Yeah. As we've said pretty much all our our previous episodes, you know, communicate, be open about discussing things, be open to hearing other people because you may be doing something that annoys someone and you don't even realize you're doing it. It's not something that's important to you. It's just this little whatever it is. Yeah. And it can be anything simple as like, I know some DMs get upset when you sit and build dice towers. I do this a lot. I'll sit and stack my dice. DMs, some DMs get upset with that. Yeah. Yeah. It could be that you're, and you may be looking at your character sheet on your phone, but that may really be a pet peeve of someone that's running a game or, you know, another one that I've seen people get kind of bent out of shape about at times is if you've got that person at the table who likes to do the math for your dice rolls all the time. Yeah. I don't have rum with that, but that's just be careful when you're doing somebody else's math because... Some people are just a little bit sensitive when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't make it seem like you're being, you know, don't don't be rude. Just don't be rude about it. Be like, hey, uh, if you notice that they're struggling or it's taking them a little bit longer than normal, be like, well, that's 17. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like we've said, rule number one, don't be an asshat. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's one of those, like, just be cautious of what you like, what you don't like, and what your quirks are. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, man, why do you sit and fidget all night? Well, be like, I'm sorry. That's sort of a thing I do because I, I can't keep still. I'm a compulsive fidget. I know. And you usually sit next to me at the table we play with. And so I'm sure you're like, what is he fiddling with now? Oh, I, it, makes my, it makes my ADD trigger really bad sometimes. Well, then I do weird things. Like I try to stand my D4s point down in the top of a D6 and, you know. You also bought that, what is it? It's a, is it a D20 that's a, no, you didn't buy a top D20. You have. That D34. Yeah, you have the D34. I was thinking, uh, I knew somebody else who had a top D20 <laughs> and they would sit and spin it and it, it would just, it's like, ah, don't, please don't. <laughs> I used to spin D8s all the time. I actually, I still have it, but the, the fluid has 
deteriorated or absorbed or something used to have it's a a ball i'll show it to you next time we we meet up and it looks like an eyeball but the the piece that looks like an eyeball is actually inside of a clear ball and it used to be you could roll it across the table and the the eyeball would stay pointing up as it rolled across oh like the old compasses yeah basically that that basic that same principle and i remember back in college i had a, a guy that i played with and this guy was he was one of those people who was unintentionally almost intimidatingly smart. Mm. This was a, an individual who came into college with almost a full year's worth of AP and was double majoring and in the band so he could make college last four years. <laughs> and and for any of you who have experience with the Palladium, specifically Rifts, but any of the Palladium game engines... This is a man who could make a character from scratch to fully fleshed out in under 45 minutes. I, that's, as, as somebody who's only tangentially touched that system, that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, I was probably at the point when, when I was playing at a decent amount where I was at a little over an hour, but this individual was incredible. But in any case, back to where I was going with this, I pull this eyeball thing out and I roll it across the table and he goes, Ooh, Ooh, let me see that. That could keep me amused for hours. <laughs> I used to have a player who would sit and play with a Rubik's cube. That's what he had to do to keep his hands busy. I didn't have a problem with it. Cause it wasn't like, I'm one of those people that try to stay off your phone. I understand, you know, you got to respond to texts and all that, but I had players who were insistent on being like, attached at the hip to their phone and it's like can you be a little bit involved at the table please yes and that's something that i think respect the other people at the table and that you know that's where you know showing up to sessions everyone else in the group has set aside this time to come meet up and play a game so respect them in that you're going to do the same i get that not everyone is going to have the same level of investment Role-playing games may be a lot more important to me than they are to 75% of the people out there. That's, that's fine. I understand that. But at the same time, be conscious of the fact that you have three to however many other individuals that have set aside time to do this thing together and that you not showing up can make them having, you know, they may have said, oh, you know, now I'm not going to go to dinner with with their, you know, spouse, partner, whatever, because it's game night. And then five minutes before you cancel because you forgot. Now they don't do the other thing either because they were planning on doing something with you. Right. And that's why, at least if I'm not going to come, I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys know a couple days in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if, you know, I'm perpetually late. I, my, my dad jokes that I'm going to be late to my own funeral. Um, <laughs> it's just a thing. If you know you're perpetually late, tell somebody ahead of time, be like, Hey, look, go ahead, get started, order pizza, do what you got to do. I'll be there. I'm usually running late. It, I'll let you know if it's going to be exceptionally late. If it is just start without me or do what you got to do. But yeah, like I, I, I usually, as somebody who is perpetually late, I usually just go, hey, go ahead and get started. I'll be there when I get there and, you know, we'll get that taken care of when I sit down at the table. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, another thing. Yeah. Like you said, you know, and, and even like you said, you know, you communicate that you're going to be a little late. That's, that's acceptable. You know what I mean? It, that doesn't feel like, oh yeah, I just didn't do this thing and now I wasted the chance to do this thing. Right. Yeah, I, I get irritated by people who can't, like, just be a little bit bothered. You know what I mean? Just take two seconds out of your day to be like, hey, guys, you know, sorry, I'm not coming. Yeah, yeah. And and look, everyone's going to have that lapse where, oh, crap, I forgot that was this weekend. Well, you know, hey, it happens. But when it becomes a pattern, I think that's when it starts to grate on people's nerves. I mean, that was me all day today. I did that. <laughs> all day i had to help a friend of mine and then we were going to record and i completely forgot that we were recording today it happens you just you will get forgetful it, it happens it's okay but yeah just be considerate and again goes back to don't be an asshat well yeah 
that's part of it. Yeah, res- respect the people you're playing with, not just in in how you behave when you're together, but also in being respectful of the time that that you've all chosen to set aside to do something together. And then from there, that's pretty much it. You've figured out how to get a group started and play the game. Yeah. Now, let's talk about what game you should play by getting into our Game of the Week. Ooh, Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! I think it's your turn this week, Steve. I think I went first last time. I thought you were starting this one off. Oh, whatever. I can start this one off. All right, you start this one off. Okay, so let me ask you this. I know you like a lot of TV and and movies and so forth. Do you like, like, cop shows like NYPD Blue or Blue Bloods or any of those kind of investigative cop dramas? Yes, I love cop dramas. Okay, how about superheroes? Or maybe not so much superheroes, but we'll say mutant powers, kind of like X-Men, but maybe toned down more to like the um, CWDC universe, you know, like the random, you know, metahumans that were showing up in like the Flash and Arrow and so forth. Yes. So what if I told you there's a game that puts those together? I would tell you that that's weird and I love it. What is it? Mutant City Blues. It's actually in its second edition now, uh, released earlier this year, the second edition did. Let me just mute myself while I go. <laughs> it was actually written, of course, my screen is slightly off size. Robin D. Laws was one of the writers. It's a Pelgrane Press book. Yes, Robin D. Laws and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan are the, the credited authors. Runs on Pelgrane's gumshoe system. But it is all about what its, what its core premise is, is that the PCs, are members of what is called a heightened crime investigation unit. So as PCs, you are mutants who have special powers. Most of them, and in what I've seen of this game, I've not had a chance to to buy it or read it yet, but I have heard an actual play or two of it. They're not incredible level powers, probably not to, you know, X-Men level, we'll say. But you are, as the members of this, this special investigation unit, you are members of the mutant community as well as you get to investigate all the crimes that they believe involve people with powers. And so you're, you're sort of this weird liaison between the police force and the mutant people. And, you know, it, it does a lot of different things. Um, I know it has the, the second edition, it says, has new rules about bringing the stress of the job, so to speak, home. Um, you know, for, for, so to speak, home scenes within the game, much like Delta Green's Bond system works. But yeah, it's it's actually a really, really well done game from, from everything I've heard. I know it has uh, this thing they call the Quaid Diagram, which is an in-game world document, but it reflects both character creation and the rules for power association. In other words, if you have this power, you can't have these powers. Or if you have... You know, it's a diagram that shows how powers overlap and it it affects, you know, how you investigate a crime. Like if the crime shows that it has evidence of this kind of power and this kind of power, you can go, well, that means we have two perps. Mm, And just enter my card number here. (laughs) All right. It's downloading. (laughs) PDF is is about twenty one dollars. You can get the hardcover. On Pelgrane's website, I think it's about 45-ish. I don't remember exactly. I looked at it shortly before we started recording. But it's, it's a game that I've actually been curious about for a while. But as I'm typically not a big Supers fan, it's kind of been backburnered. But I love cop dramas. Yeah, so. and this one looks like it, you know, as, as much as it has that, like, super stuff, it really looks like a cop drama. Yeah, the, the art in the book... Scanning through the preview, I'll say it looks a little pedestrian. It's it's not a knock-your-socks-off thing. It does have kind of a, a comic booky look to it, I would say. But that, that fits. There are some really nice... Once you actually get into the book, there's some really nice stuff in here, though. Okay. Um, This is... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be getting tabled soon. 
<laughs> For me, uh-huh. at least. I'm, uh, I'm going to run a thing with this because as you were describing that, my brain is going, okay, can work with that. <laughs> Glad. Good. That means I could get to play something weird and not have to run it. I know, right? <laughs> like I said, I, I, uh, I just finished downloading it, so it is on my computer and will be read tonight, if not sooner. <laughs> yeah, it's not a huge book either. It's only 216 pages. Uh, yeah, my PDF says 192, but yeah. Well, I'm going off the, the drive through spec, but but yeah, I think it just came out the spring of this year, the second edition. The, the older edition's been out for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Well, that's really cool, and that is definitely going to be getting tabled sooner rather than later because that looks really, really awesome. All right. So so what have you got this week, Steve? I have Aegon. And pardon me if that's not how it's pronounced. It's A-G-O-N. It's from 1-7 Publishing. And it is a game basically set in, in like the Greek pantheon. It's set in essentially Greek mythology. And if you look at the artwork, it's very, it's very ancient Greece. And that has always caught my attention... It's always been something that I love the look of, and this seems really fun. You know, it's heroic. They they use the term fast-paced heroic adventure. They also say it you play it as a zero-prep one-shot or enjoy it as an ongoing series. I like the zero-prep one-shot stuff. Yeah, I noticed that. That's something, you know, we were just talking about that. Drop it on yeah. a table and go. And so I like that. It, when I see that in a book, especially for... An, odd rpg you know something that's not Dungeons and dragons pathfinder you know the mainstream stuff i like that because that means i can drop it on a table go let's play this nobody's going to have any objections because it doesn't take any real setup you know right right yeah that's one of the things that people will complain about is well, so we got to make characters and now that takes you know an hour and a half by the time the whole table makes a character and blah 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 but yeah this looks like it's set up to Slap it on the table and go. Yeah, and I'm a big proponent of the art in a book. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous art. It's that very, you know, looks like it was drawn on pottery. Like, <laughs> Yes, okay, that's... I was trying to figure out how to describe it. That that describes it perfectly. Yeah, it, it looks like it was drawn on pottery. And it, it looks really, really cool. Yeah. So it says it comes with 12 pre-made adventures. Yeah, it must have pre-gen characters, too, because... Typically, you don't advertise that you're a zero prep one shot if you don't have a pre gen, or yeah. maybe generation's really easy. Oh, this is uh, the one author is the same guy that wrote Blades in the Dark. Oh, cool. So there you go. And you know it's quality because Blades in the Dark is awesome. And it looks like he did all the art for it as well. At least if if I'm remembering that name right, John Harper, I believe that was an individual who wrote. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he also did Fiasco. Oh, wow. Fiasco. That's a that's one that I'm going to bring up at some point. <laughs> yeah. Fiasco is a really fun game. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's worked on a lot of stuff. But yeah, so Aegon, check that out. That looks really cool. Ooh, he's got one called Bootleggers, and that is up my alley. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> just put a pin in that. I- ignore the man compulsively downloading in the corner. <laughs> this is the problem, is that like... As we've gone away from physical books and switched to digital, I'm going to have to buy another hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nice thing about drive through is that once you buy it, check it, out with a product, they store it for you so you can re-download it from them at no cost as long as you log into your account. I trust drive through RPG. I don't trust a lot of other other companies like that. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> ah, hey, that's fair. drive through has been around for quite a while. And their website reflects it. Well, they do have a new one in the works. Yeah. I can't wait until that new one's out because their website looks like it's from about 2010. <laughs> uh, hey, it does what it says on the cover. Yeah. And that's, again, I think we've talked about this before, but how do you know you're on the genuine drive through RPG website? Does it look old? If it doesn't look old, you're not on the genuine drive through RPG website. Yeah, or at least, you know, as of right now. Yeah. Said the, the, the previews of the, the new site look uh, quite interesting, really. Hmm. 
I think with that, that covers our games of the week. So we move on to saying our goodbyes. So I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you to be kind to each other and get out there and play some RPGs. Yes. Drop us a line. You know, we're on most of the big social media. Well, at least Facebook and Twitter. Leave a review, please. Yes. It helps. And and come find us on Discord and tell us what you think. Give us yep. ideas. We are on Discord now. You can get on our Discord. It's me and Steve RPGs. I was say, I pinned the invite link to our show Twitter profile. Perfect. I'm going to do that to our Facebook right after we record here. But yeah, you can find us on Facebook. If you can't find the Discord, message us on Facebook. Message us on Twitter. Tweet at us. Yell at us. Tell us what we're doing good. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Yep. We're at and RPGs because I'm a moron and don't know how to put in things to get the handle, the at thing that I want on Twitter, but that works. Yeah. At and RPG is, is pretty, pretty neat. We're also me and Steve RPG podcast on Facebook Mm -hmm. as well as everywhere podcasts can be found short for one or two, but that's because they haven't replied to me yet. So, yep. So yeah, listen, tell your friends, leave us a review, come find us. We'll, as much as I can get away from from what I have to do to get paid at work, I'll be active on Discord and so on and so forth. Yeah, and one of the things that I'll say, not necessarily right this second, but, you know, if enough of you join the Discord, maybe you'll get to play some games with us because we're always going to be looking for more players. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, maybe we take some of these games of the week and and do a thing every now and then where we round up a handful of people from the Discord and go, hey, you want to play this thing? Yeah. Exactly. And I, I think that's, we'll, we'll definitely be looking into that and, and more than likely because come play. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yes. So with that, uh, be kind to each other and go play some RPGs. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.